0: This is Black Men Speak, a podcast that highlights ordinary black men doing extraordinary things. I am your host, Keith Dent. Welcome to part two of my interview with Darren Bell, author of The Talk, a coming-of-age graphic novel of his life growing up in Los Angeles. We pick up where Darren discusses how he comforts the afflicted and how his approach to editorial cartooning changed after winning the Pulitzer Prize. On that note, let's start the show. How do you, so? How do you? With that said, how do you feel you are comforting the afflicted?
1: Well, like I said, I don't. I don't think I've realized that no matter. No matter how good a cartoon I do, even if, it, even if it wins the Pulitzer Prize, it's not going to change the minds of anyone who doesn't want their mind changed, so it's not going to change the world, but what my work does do is it tells people who've gone through these things that they're not imagining it, that it's real, and I think that is a that is such a, such a game changer. If I, if I, when I was a kid, if I had realized that I wasn't imagining things, I think, you know, I would have been a lot happier. It would have been a lot harder for people to convince me that I was, that there was something wrong with me or that I was bad. Mm-hmm. You know, I That's what I want my work to give people. Just, um, just the knowledge that they're actually seen and heard and, their experiences are not just in their head, right?
0: Okay, great. Well, thank you for that.
1: Um, so, one
0: part of the thing, the kind of was the imagery of your book as well, and a very important part of the book was something that wasn't even living and breathing, and that was the rock. Oh, um, the rock you carried for a very long time, I guess, for 12 years in your pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, why, why did you do that, for one? And two, 12 years later, you decided that you no longer needed it, and you threw it in the ocean. What was the point of that, and what was it that gave you the confidence that you no longer needed it?
1: Well, The Rock after the incident with well i'll back up before the incident with the police officer and i go through this in the in the prologue of the book there were some doberman pinchers doberman pinchers in the neighborhood vicious dogs that would always chase me home from the school but from the from the bus stop they never bit me they would always nip at me and snarl and and you know, they were as big as i was and they were toying with me, and I knew that at any moment they could, if they decided to, that this wasn't any any fun anymore, they could just eat me, and and be done with me. Mm. And so then later, the the thing with the police officer happened, and I, when I when the when the officer confronted me, I had the same exact feeling that I got from those Dobermans. And the officer ended up leaving. Um, and on my way home i i heard the dobermans and i i told myself not anymore i'm not running anymore i was kind of ashamed at how i how i cowered in the face of the officer and i thought i'm never going to do that again i'm i'm always going to stand up so when when i heard the dobermans on the way home i picked up the nearest rock i saw and i was ready to try to bash in some <laughs> Bash in some teeth if they came for me, <laughs> right? Uh, but they they left me alone that day. May, maybe they could sense the change of, change of attitude I had. Mm. Um, and because they left me alone, when I got home, that rock had become very special to me. And I held that rock for the next for the next twelve years. And anytime I felt, I think anytime I felt afraid. Um or or like there was an overwhelming situation that I didn't know how i'd how I'd make it through it. I had that rock in my pocket, and I would just feel the rock and remember and remember how how strong I felt during that walk home mm-hmm. with even even though all the dogs were barking around me, I felt invincible on the way home because I was gonna deal with them right, but then, after a while something like that kind of stops feeling empowering and starts to feel like a crutch. You know, I, I started to think, could, I started to actually feel like what happens if I lose this rock? <laughs> this, this rock is like my superpower. Right. You know, it. And were there and,
0: times where you, you might have lost it or times where you thought you had lost it,
1: but then found it? Oh yeah. There were some times where I, where I thought where like my mom had found it and, and th- i remember my mom My mom threw it out once because she thought it was just junk and i remember digging through the trash can wow and through a couple trash cans until i found it and i was just frantic to find that thing but you know I, when when i was about to go away to college i thought i'm about to become an adult i don't want to ever find myself crawling through trash cans looking for this rock yeah and and i thought you know, it's not the rock that's strong. It's me. Mm-hmm. So I thought that's, so it, I had an epiphany. I thought I, I I don't need this rock. So I threw it away. And that was yeah. a big deal for me.
0: That's, that's great. That's great. And um, I guess if we all could have that sense, especially when we're, we're younger, because we feel that one, we're, we're alone. It's, we're the only one that has these issues and, and not being able to turn inward for that strength or that we can get through it. Um, but to finally um, have that and get that, I thought that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that fascinated my part, you know, was fascinating about the part of the book that I'd love you to touch upon was the fact that senior year, once you're, you're up there and you receive the award and you have I'd finally gotten through your four years of high school. You had mentioned that you felt you had wasted so much time, and I was, I was, and I was like, "Wow!" At the, at the um, I mean, I guess at the time, the pinnacle of your your life, and the fact that you had, especially all the trauma that you had dealt with, you know, this same, you know, same journalism teacher—I think it was a journalism teacher or uh, dean of discipline, whatever you want to call it—you know—I kind of singled you
1: out, and well, that was you, the vice principal,
0: vice principal, and you had overcome
1: that. Um you felt
0: why did you feel you had wasted time?
1: well you know i I didn't know any for instance i i I didn't know any any black people who played the piano or you know who or who were in academic decathlons or anything like that when I was growing up, and I think because of that, I thought, well, that stuff's not really for me. Um, but it w- it could have been, you know, I, I could have there. I, I won senior year. I won, I won a journalism award. They made the award up just for me because, because, uh, because of my work on the paper. But I mean, there were so many other awards I could have won, uh, that, that other kids were winning and those kids were almost all white. Um, almost all and, and or Asian. And it was because, you know, they, they knew from the start that that stuff was for them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was sitting there realizing I could have it before I knew I won that journalism award. I thought I, I saw all these kids, my age up on that stage. And I realized I could have been up on this stage if I hadn't been um, wasting time thinking that, that, that that stage wasn't for me. Okay. And then
0: you realize that the, that stage was for you in um, the fact that they, which is even more awesome because they, the teachers or the leadership felt uh, your
1: greatness was so evident to create an award on your behalf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, in, in retrospect, I mean, I, I would have done the same thing if I, if I had been, an administrator and I saw a student who became opinion page editor, um, editor in chief, um, drew drew two cartoons and wrote five columns every single issue mm. of the school paper. That's that's you have to give that kid an award. <laughs> you, uh, yeah, you do you, 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 have you, no you do. You do. And, oh, and so yeah,
0: um, let me ask this. So were um, people that read read your column were they surprised
1: um, that you were so young? Um, well, no. I mean, the the column was in was in my high school paper, so okay. they they knew I was a high school student. Okay, got gotcha. it. But, uh, but uh, my my freshman year of college, when I became the cartoonist for the for the UC Berkeley student newspaper, the Daily Californian, as soon as I as soon as I became the cartoonist, I made up a letterhead and I started faxing real newspapers saying I am the cartoonist from the daily Californian. And, you know, I assumed that there were people in those newsrooms who had gone to Berkeley and I was right. And, you know, that that made them look long and hard at the cartoons Mm -hmm. that I was sending them. So I, they ended up buying, they started buying them after a while. It took it took a year. I faxed okay. cartoons to them almost every day. Every day. Okay. Year. Finally, the the editor at the LA Times called me and said, um, if, if we assign you a cartoon every other week, would you please stop faxing us? <laughs> so, um yeah, people were people were surprised when they found out how young I was when I started running in, in mainstream newspapers. I was only 20.
0: And and did they know you
1: were of color? Um, at the L.A. Times, they knew because I had actually met the editor the oh, year that's prior. Right. Right. Um, right, right. Yeah, because they they invited they invited the editorial staffs of all the student newspapers in the valley to their headquarters, and I, you know, I I you know I met the I met the editor then, so she knew who I was. Um. And were you the only? Were you the only person of color there? I, I was the only black person. Right there, okay. there were there were some Asian people there mm-hmm. and white people. Okay, okay.
0: Yeah, that's important to know because when you're when you're a cartoonist versus maybe a writer, it's almost t- painting a picture of the times, and you kind of take yourself out of it. So it could basically be from anyone. Of course, you had to have the talent to do that. So I was wondering when they actually did see who you were
1: did that actually <laughs> kind of open people's eyes so to speak um i i think i'm I, i'm not in i'm not entirely sure cuz when they when they saw who i was i wasn't in the room with them but i i know it might have helped me um when it came to the san francisco chronicle because When I was in college, the whole thing about Prop 209 was happening, where they were trying to get rid of affirmative action. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I was covering that for the Daily Cal at UC Berkeley. And I wanted to, you know, and I thought I could parlay that into getting into the San Francisco Chronicle and a bunch of other papers. So I actually sent, when I sent them a cover letter, I included a photo of myself in it so that they would know that This, these cartoons about Prop 209 are being covered by a black cartoonist. Mm -hmm. And I thought that that, I thought that might help. And it it probably did because they, they started buying them right away. Mm -hmm. Okay. Makes sense. Makes. So that that was very rare. I mean, there were, there were many cartoonists talking about race, but they were all white cartoonists. Right. And so I thought, and I think I was correct, that it was an asset to be you know, to be the, to be a cartoonist who wasn't white, who was, t- who had a different perspective on all this.
0: Right. Right. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, no, a couple more questions. Uh, Cause this has been great. I'm glad you uh, were able to take the time. You wove relationships in the book and um, which I thought was great because that's also part of your journey as an adolescent, you know, you, you like a girl or, you know, when you have to deal with it, all of those aspects and you, I thought you dealt dealt with it brilliantly, just the different dynamics as you grow older um, and you would touch upon them. But then, you know, all of a sudden, of course, that person was no longer in your life or, you know, you broke up. And, and what you had mentioned earlier is that, yeah, you probably would have been with your high school sweetheart. But my question, which I found fascinating one, because I'm a relationship coach um. Also dealt with some of my own challenges, especially dating women that were not uh, black. Mm-hmm. What were what was kind of the re, you feel is the relationship that impacted you the most, other than you know your wife, of course, because you know you found your true. You know, once you got married, yes, she was the one
1: for you. But I I was curious to hear that part. Other than other than my wife, I guess it would have to be, it would have to have it would have to be Chrisella. Um, okay, she she was also mixed. She was black and Korean. Oh, okay. And we were together during some really formative years in college, dealing with you know in the '90s, dealing with with a lot of a lot of racial issues. With a lot of animosity from white people, but also from black people. Um, for instance, I, you know, I tried to during welcome week, I walked into into a few different fraternities, but I was, you know, and, and I it was just not for me. I mean, there, there all these all these privileged white kids and stuff. So nice I was walking back to the dorm and I heard um this ended up getting cut out of the the book for space, but mm-hmm. I heard I heard some uh, some iced tea music and I followed it and it was a black it was a black fraternity. OK. And I walked in and, you know, everybody was happy to see everybody else who was walking in. But they actually got up and turned their backs on me when I walked in. Mm. And, you know, I, I I stood there for a second thinking this is a, this is a joke. I mean, this is the kind of thing you'd see in school days or or maybe, you know, maybe a different world. Um, but that stuff doesn't really happen, right? And, you know, I tried to talk to some people. Nobody would talk to me. Finally, I turned to, wow. I turned to leave and somebody said, somebody said, that's right, wannabe. Mm. So I just left. Um, You'll
0: have to email I, me the fraternity. Hopefully it's not my fraternity, but I would I would find that interesting to know. Yeah. Um
1: I, I don't I don't think their fraternity is still there. But no. I I think there were a lot of complaints about that kind of thing. And oh, they right. if if I remember right, they were shut down. Oh, okay. But um so you know I went through that kind of stuff with Crisella because she she went through the same sort of thing just with 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 the women on campus. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think, you know, going, going through that together was, was was easier than going through it alone.
0: But in the, in the book, of course, there was then kind of like a full circle moment um, where you had your issue with the police, uh, similar to, of course, what your parents went through. So did that impact your relationship going forward?
1: Well, no, I mean, we, we, we both kind of turned to ourselves after the cop left and, and said, see, we are, we are black. <laughs> okay. That we, the, the guy, the guy pulled us over for no reason at all. And well, it's in, it's in the book. I don't, I don't want to spoil it, but I mean, it, it was, uh, it was a hard thing. And. I I don't I don't think I don't think that's what I don't think that caused any any friction between Mm -hmm. us, though. What what caused friction between us was was religion. Mm -hmm. Um, She was she was a lot more Christian than I was. And she felt so she felt a lot of guilt. She felt guilty even holding my hand. And
0: okay, yes. And you brought that out in the
1: book, um, the, the challenges there. So, okay. So at a, a few after a few years of that, you you know that gets old, mm. and mm. that that was one of the only relationships that I ended because oh I, okay okay I just you know I just I just couldn't I just couldn't take any more being with someone who um, I mean she's a great person now I mean she's a great person then too right but it was it was the it was the religious hangups that just got to me. Especially because that's that is what broke my broke my parents up in the mm-hmm. end I mean that's part of what broke my parents right. up
0: great thank you for that so this question is um how so how do you f- feel winning the Pulitzer Prize impacted how you approach uh your cartoons or cartooning
1: um well it, it in one sense it in one sense it makes it more difficult because you know, every cartoon I draw, it, it after I won the Pulitzer, every cartoon I draw, I had to think, is this Pulitzer worthy?
0: Oh, wow. And, okay.
1: And so I think I, I've i thrown out a lot more cartoons that I was... I've thrown out a lot more sketches that before winning the Pulitzer, I probably would have drawn. Mm-hmm. And in retrospect, I think that's a mistake. Because, um, you know, no nobody does nobody does their best 100% of the time. And sometimes there, there just aren't issues that that call for your best. Um, you know, that, that, there, sometimes they're, they're, like for, like, um, like MAGA being upset at Taylor Swift, I'm not going to sit down and draw a cartoon for eight hours with a bunch of detail about that, <laughs> for instance. But, you know, when our democracy was at risk, I sure as hell was going to spend spend day and night drawing drawing cartoons about that. Right. Um, but you know in another sense, it's really helpful because I, I don't feel like I have anything to prove anymore. Um, you know, it, except, except to myself
0: mm-hmm.
1: Like uh, you know, I, I could walk into, I could walk into a room into any room now and not feel like I don't belong you know I, I could walk into the, the newsroom of the Washington Post and you know and feel it feel at home mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that just wasn't the case before before winning the Pulitzer
0: right and, and we're all better for it I think that's uh, the fact that you are in the room representing uh, a voice that is some usually stifled a lot um in the especially in that type of medium is really powerful so uh, i think that's great i was going to ask you this question and you if touch upon briefly because i know you have a hard stop in 15 minutes um but now that you because you mentioned maga and we're almost back again (laughs) uh and so what what's your thoughts about it how are you actually you know have covering it um and how do you feel? It's how do you think it's going to affect the country if, um, going forward, especially this year with the election coming up?
1: Well, um, as I as I as I said, our country was founded on white supremacy, and it spent the next the next hundred and fifty years or so writing laws to codify that that white supremacy. Even after even after the Civil War. Um, you know there was reconstruction but after a while you know after it, predictably after a while the white supremacist system said okay that's enough of that and they and here's a hundred years of jim crow to make up for those for that seven or so years of, re, of reconstruction hmm. um here's ten steps backward you know for that one step forward you got to take and you know, that happened after affirmative action too um you know one step forward and you know one generation gets to enjoy it and then we're gonna spend the next 40 years trying to dismantle it and you know it happened again when Barack Obama was elected Mm -hmm. you got a black president so now we're gonna elect the most racist (laughs) racist white man we could find um to turn back all the progress you thought you made over those eight years Mm -hmm. and then some and every time there's a moment and and then there's george floyd we had we had the like a summer of awakening where those protests there were probably more white people at those protests getting shot and brutalized by the police um and standing up for social justice than there than there were anyone else and i knew when i was writing this book that that wasn't going to last Because there's always a backlash. I mean, some people call it a whitelash. And every time there's progress, there's a backlash. This is more dangerous than any time in my lifetime. Because it coincides with a big demographic shift. In just 10 years or so, white people are going to be a minority. And they're losing their minds over that.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And this backlash... Unlike any other time in history, is based on an existential fear that they that they that they feel. They feel like, you know, all so many of them who've denied that white supremacy exists are upset because they're not going to be in charge anymore. Which is, you know, a tacit admission that white supremacy existed, and they want to keep it going. And I think they will do anything. To keep it going, and the fact that they're becoming a minority means they can no longer rely on democracy, on the vote, to keep themselves in power. And so many of them are willing now to get rid of democracy because it's not going to work for them for much longer.
0: Mm-hmm. So you
1: know, we they're, they're, they've purged millions of voters, mostly black and Latino, mostly black mm-hmm. since two thousand. Um, and you know that's going into overdrive now because they've got the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said that's okay. They said gerrymandering is okay, so you can you can have a, a you can have a state with a thirty percent black population that only has like one congressional seat or two congressional seats. Um, you know we're we're headed toward, and and at the same time they're trying to ban books like the Talk. And, you know, and and books by other by other black authors. Wow. Um, You know, they're they're rewriting history books. They're they're saying that slaves they're they're describing slaves as migrants and and workers. Mm. Mm. They they are trying to create a system of apartheid and they're trying to erase the knowledge of what came before. And they're trying to pretend that this was never a democracy. That's why they go around saying we're a republic, not a democracy. Um, because they're preparing us for what they tried to do on, on January 6th, uh, an autocratic coup. I mean, that, that, was, a, that was a dry run for, for what's going to happen for, or for what they want to happen. And mm-hmm. I know <clears throat> this might sound hyperbolic but after i won the the robert f kennedy award in 2015 and then after i won the pulitzer in 2019 i got an email from from a a group that i forget the name of it but patriot was in the name and so that made me think twice and i googled them and they they wanted me to draw propaganda for them they actually called it propaganda oh and wow they, they they said that they're that they're extremely well funded by several billionaires they've they've got secret clubs in colleges throughout america with two million members and growing and they're going to save america by any means necessary they said so i looked them up and it turned out they're some far right organization and they assumed that you know they they told me that i could name my own price Wow. And so I I, I just wrote back and, and said thanks but no thanks, you know. <laughs> and it occurs to me that you know the stuff that they said and the stuff that they said they were gonna do is what's happening. It's what I see happening all around me in school boards, um, where where people where groups like Moms for Liberty, which probably was associated with this group is going from state to state, where they don't even have kids in those schools, telling those, ki- those, those school boards that they have to stop telling the stories of Black people and telling the stories of other, of other minorities. Um, and you know, and, and it's, there's a good chance that it's going to work. You know, those 2 million plus members of that group, that was several years ago. I don't know where they are now. They might be in Moms for Liberty. They might be in Congress. They might be running police in, in the police forces. They might be in the military. Who knows? Man, yeah.
0: I That's an eye. That's an eye opener right there. I mean, because I'm sure most people don't know these things exist, and and, you know, and in fear don't want to go down that rabbit hole because the internet's powerful, and to get and then you start getting some of those
1: images. Uh, and things of that nature. So, well, we're 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 kind of. This is why some I forget. Who, I think it was Liz Cheney who said that we're sleepwalking toward authoritarianism, and it's it's true. I mean, we're we're in denial. We black people haven't had democracy until 1965, and you know, you know we we know what authorita- what authoritarianism looks like. The rest of the country thought they had democracy and now they're finding out, they're finding out what it looks like to not have it. And they might be finding out too late because, you know, we, we think that the, we, we think that like, like as Martin Luther King Jr. said, um, you know the the moral history of of, i the quotes escaping right now you know the the arc of the moral universe is long but it bends towards justice that might not actually be true you know the the art for the for tens and hundreds of thousands of years we have not had liberal democracy you know we we haven't had equality it might just be it might not be an evolution it might just be an aberration and we might be headed back toward, um, you know, towards something, something that we don't want to be in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always like to end, this, uh,
0: end our, uh, my session with this question. And Darren Bell, uh, author of The Talk, which is a very uh, great book, not only for you to, to read with your kids, uh, but you as an adult, because it may help you heal. Uh, you know, black, black men, we have a lot of trauma, and um, you know, just black people in general. So, um, I wanted to leave you with this question because I know you, just based on what you do, and are probably always thinking, <laughs> always trying, trying to um, do your best for the world. We, we don't always really think of ourselves, and I think you've kind of touched upon this, but right now, at this moment how are you feeling
1: as a black man well i i'm a black man who has children so i i feel hopeful because children have this innate sense of justice and every every day when i'm doing my work and if if something bothers me and and i feel kind of hopeless um like especially when i think of the situation that i was just talking about i look at my kids and you know they've heard the news and they've heard me talk about it, and they know that that's wrong, and that's got to change. And I know that there are millions of other kids throughout the country, and they probably feel the same way. I mean, it's hard not to look at at where we've gone since 2016 and not have an opinion about it. Every kid I, every kid that I've seen talk about these issues with my own kids is dead set against letting this happen Mm. probably every generation feels like this but i feel like i feel like um like we're passing like my generation is passing the baton to some pretty fast runners Mm, right and and
0: thank you for that and hopefully they will um, take that baton and, and run and i think with your book as a guide or as a as a springboard and hopefully it's hard to hear that they're trying to ban the book because it's it's a very um i think it's a it was a wonderful book and
1: everyone should uh read it and uh, so darren bella i want to thank you for being on today thank you my, my pleasure
0: black men speak was written produced and edited by me Keith Dent. if you enjoyed the podcast become a regular subscriber Do it now. Share it with a friend. Or at least leave a comment. And let me know how much you enjoyed our Black Male Author Series. And if you have time, recommend an author we might want to interview next. You know, we always like to end the show with a quote. And this one comes from Desmond Tutu. My humanity is bound up in yours. for we can only be human together. This is Keith Dent from the Black Men Speak Podcast.